Y'all hear me okay? I've been told I speak very low, so I'll try and speak up loud enough for you to be able to hear and understand me. It's good to see everybody here this morning. All of you, we can't see you out on the live stream, but we're glad that you're here. I hope and pray that it's working today. But uh, anyhow, it's good to see everybody here this morning. And got some good news and some bad news for you. The bad news is if you came here this morning, I think you're going to see that tall, young, good-looking, funny preacher. He's not here. You're, you're stuck with the old, short, old guy that's not funny at all. So God ordained this, and we're going to get through this day today, and he's going to be glorified one way or another. He's going he's to be glorified through everything. But the good news is my home group gave this past week off to study and prepare, and I, I did that, and I think I've got everything down pat now to where we should be out of here by 1.30. So... So this might be my first and last time preaching for y'all. What do you think? But anyhow, it's a, it's a blessed day to be here. For some of y'all that don't know, this is the first time that I have preached here at Calvary Chapel. First time I've really ever preached in my life to a group. So well, uh, we did some devotions and stuff during the COVID, and I think we, we had pretty good success with that as, as a group of us. But this is the first time, so you're the guinea pigs. But God's in control, and God's going to be blessed. And I've truly been looking forward to, uh, to this day. Supposed to have done it back in March when the group was on the Nepal trip. But as we know, God had other plans for that. And he had a specific, uh, specific reason for it to be delayed until today. And he is all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful, and all in, completely in control. So before we get started with the, uh, with the uh, sermon today, let's uh, pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now in the precious name of Jesus, Lord, and I just ask that you, call, you calm all nerves or whatever else is going on inside of me right now, Lord, and that you just use me as your vessel right now, Father, that you would just fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and, and that you would speak through me the words that you would want spoken to this congregation today, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we just thank you so much for all your many blessings. Be glorified this morning in this place, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Before we get started with the scripture, I want to take you back about 50-plus years ago. When I was a young man, about six or seven years old, one of my best friends back then was named Ray Sheffield. They lived out in the country outside of town, had a nice two-story house. And, and his dad had taken it upstairs and turned it into a little playroom. And in the playroom, there was a metal chair. There was a metal stand here, song stand, like we use up here for the music. And there was a Bible. And Ray and I, would, every time I'd go there, we'd go dashing up the stairs. We'd go into the playroom. And one of us would sit down in the chair, the other one would stand over there in front of the Bible, and we'd just start preaching our hearts out to each other. Six or seven years old, sometimes acting like we're at a, at a Billy Graham crusade or something, you know. And uh, we'd just go to town, the other would be, hallelujah, amen, praise God, all that stuff. And it was hot and sweaty up there, so after a little while, 
whoever was preaching got tired, so they'd sit in the chair and the other one would do it. Hallelujah, praise God, amen. And we'd run downstairs and act like six or seven-year-old kids. I'm going to fast forward 10 to 15 years from that. Going through high school, last couple of years of high school. My friend Ray, he, he kept walking on that narrow narrow pathway pretty well and, and did pretty well. But old Chuck, that's my childhood nickname. I'm not going to take time to tell you how I got that name. But that's what I was grew up being called all my life. Old Chuck, he didn't stay on that that narrow pathway. He went all all over the place. Got involved with drugs and drinking in high school and got finally did graduate high school and went on to college and that stuff just got worse. Spent about three years in college and finally in about nineteen eighty two my mom told me, you know, there's no money left for college, which God already knew that was gonna happen because I was sharing with my wife this morning. Then in the spring of 1982 was probably God just looking down on me and saying, son, this is enough. Because had I kept going back to college again, probably would have gotten a lot worse than it had in those two, two and a half years already. And no telling what would have come out of it. But God's, God's perfect. He, his timing is perfect. So I went back to Florida, living there and working, and my step-grandfather started talking to me about the military. Nobody in my family's really much military. So I got to think about it and said, hey, okay. So I went and delayed in enlistment and joined in January 1983, and we're just going to kind of fast-forward through this stuff. But about three years into that, I met a young lady, and she's uh, been sticking with me now for 33 years, so I guess she must like me. But, uh, you know, just watching God, how he has moved in that time there from the time when I was drinking and, and doing drugs and moving back, found somebody, got married, started having kids. And as soon as we got married and she told me she was pregnant, that's when I just stopped dead in my tracks and I said, son, you've got to get this right. And I told her that. Neither one of us has been going to church at all for years and all and so we uh we started going to church over in germany we had our daughter jennifer a couple years later we had our son zach and uh god god has truly blessed us we came back up from over there we went to miss we went to uh georgia and uh february 14th 1993 i know it was a sunday i've already looked it up my wife didn't believe me at first but i told her February 14th, 1993, was a Sunday. And that's when the Lord really hit me, really got a hold of me. We were sitting four or five pews from the front. And I mean, I was sobbing like a little five-year-old kid, just stubbed their toe and about, you know, broke it off and all. Just, you know, 30-plus years old, sobbing. They just about had to stop the sermon looking, son, what is going on with you? And I remember just saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. So that from that day on, he, he has really gotten hold of me and changed my life. And so we we left there. We went to Mississippi, went to Korea, North Carolina again, went to Afghanistan, and and then finally made our way out here. But I, the reason I'm saying all this is because 
God watches over us. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. And we're going to run away from God at times. But thank God when he has his eyes on us and he's watching over us and he takes care of us and he brings us back into the flock. And, uh, you know, I, I stop and think now, six or seven years old, we had to be the two greatest seven-year-old addict preaching Southern Baptist preachers to ever come out of the state of Florida, my buddy and I, Ray. But I look at that and I chuckle about that and then I see how God brings it all full, full circle. And to be standing here today, it is such a privilege and an honor to be here bringing this message to you today. And I started that out that way, showing you my life, how I've, how I've ran from God. And I'm not going to ask a show of hands, but I'm sure just about everybody in here at some time or another has ran from God at some point in time. And that's why the, uh, the scriptures, God, Lord, put this on my heart about a year ago. And the scripture that we're going to look at today is Jonah. We're going to look at chapter 1. I'm going to try and get into about three verses of chapter 2. But, you know, read in, uh, in, in uh, looking at Jonah and doing some research on it and all, there's some people out there that look at Jonah as just being a, a fishtail. I got news for you, brothers and sisters. This right here is a God-breathed word. It is absolute it has no errors in it. It is God's word. There is not a fishtail in here. Everything that's in here has a specific reason and purpose for being in this book. And the way I feel about it is this. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Period. That's all there is to it. So we're going to read chapter, uh, chapter 1 of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found his ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's kind of obvious that he wants to get away from the presence of the Lord, isn't it? But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps you will, he will, your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for those who cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and a lot fell, of course, on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us. For whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? 
So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. As we see here, Jonah was a man of God. He knew the Lord. He trusted the Lord. And for most parts, I believe he obeyed the Lord. So it's easy to see Jonah is no different than any of us in here who claim to be Christians, who claim to be following Jesus Christ. He's a man. He's human just like you and I. He had a word from the Lord, and I, when, the, when the Lord speaks to you and gives you a, a direct commission or, or word, then we certainly need to listen closely and, and heed that word. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness had come up before me. Jonah was in Gep Heper. That's just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. Nineveh is about 500 miles east-northeast of where he was at. And I don't know if you know much about the Ninevites. They're very prideful. They're a brutal people. They, uh, we'll get into that in, in just a few, a few minutes. They were very worldly. They didn't worship or believe in God whatsoever. And the Lord tells him to go to Nineveh and pray and preach to these people because their wickedness has come before him and he's about to judge them. But let's look here in the beginning of verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee, flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now I just told you that Jonah's right here. Nineveh's kind of 500 miles over here. So he flew. He uh, fled to Joppa, which is 50 miles southwest of where he's currently at, in order to get to Tarshish. So he goes there. He's fleeing the, the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. Did a little research on it, 
And Tarshish is about as far away from Joppa as you can get. It's like 2,500 miles away from Joppa. It's on the southeast coast of Spain, a port city there. So here it is, Jonah's wanting to go down there. He comes up, he finds the captain, he pays his fare. And I can just imagine that morning the, the captain of the ship out there because, you know, you have to prepare things. You have to get everything ready. So they're probably out there walking around, getting the ship ready. It's probably a beautiful day like it is today. No wind, no waves on the, uh, on the ocean, on the sea, or anything like that. The guy thinks it's going to be a fantastic day for him and his crew to set, set a sail or set out to go to Tarshish. And, hey, here we are. We have this guy. He wants to ride, so we're making a little bit extra money on this trip that we got to make anyhow. So Jonah gives him the money, and he goes down into the depths of the, of the uh, ship. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, with the exception of my family, has anybody in here ever been in like a hurricane or anything like that? If, if you have, you know that the wind blows. If you're out on the water, the the waves rage and it rains like crazy and, and all that. This storm right here that is brewing, those are meteorological storms. They're just, you know, by nature and, and all that kind of stuff. This storm right here, brothers and sisters, has nothing to do with the weather. This storm right here is a raging storm produced by none other than God Almighty because of one of his children who is stepping completely away from him and going their own, their own way. When he has given them a specific order or task to take care of, to go to Nineveh, of all places, and preach the gospel to them before their judgment comes. Now, I believe... I'm going to go back to verse 3 for just a second. I believe there's three reasons why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Number one, Jonah was embarrassed that God would have him, of all people, he's one of his chosen people, to go to this place and preach to these people. He's probably thinking, why can't you send somebody else other than me to go preach to this group of people? Secondly, I believe that he's perturbed because he knows how bad and cruel and, and mean and all these people are. And he wants them dead. He wants them gone. But yet he knows how loving and forgiving and kind God Almighty is. And he knows already that if he goes there and he preaches this word to them, and he shares the gospel of Christ and shows his forgivingness and his mercy and grace, he knows that there's a lot better chance that they're probably going to repent and become Christians than it is that they're not going to repent. And I think this perturbs him very much 
Because like I said, he already wants them uh, annihilated. He wants them out of here, period. And lastly, I think that he is just scared. Because it's 500 miles up there, that's, that's not an issue. But he knows how they are. They were, they were known to rip the lips out of people when they were alive and then kill them. They were known to dismember all parts of the body while they were still alive. Children as well. They were a very brutal, brutal people. And he was probably scared for his life. So, yes, he did just that. He went to Joppa. He got on this ship, and he's just taken off and thinking life's going to be great. He probably should have asked Adam and Eve how that worked with them trying to hide from God. Didn't work very well. Didn't work well at all because he's omnipresent. So he's on this ship. God has brought up this temptuous storm right out the gate. And uh, things are getting ready to get even worse. Verse 5, then the mariners were afraid. Every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, laid down, was fast asleep. It's pretty evident here that these guys, this crew, is not a crew of uh, Christians. Because it says right here they prayed to all kind of gods. And the more they prayed to them, evidently the worse it got. God was just proving to them that it's evident you don't know who the true God is. Because it got worse and worse, throwing everything off the ship that they could, that they could find to try and lighten that load so the ship wouldn't sink and break apart. But here's what I want to ask you. When the storms of your life start coming through, what do you do? Who's your anchor? What's your anchor? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hate to say it, but you don't have the same anchor that I have. You're not anchored in the ground full full force by the uh, by Jesus Christ. What what do you hold on to to get you through those storms? Do you hold that bottle, bottle of pills, bottle of alcohol? Do you hold on to that bag of weed to try and get you through these times? Those things are going to just go away and you're going to be left right there where you're at. I can tell you that because I've been there and done it and tried it, and it doesn't work. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I pray that by the time we're done here, that God will touch your heart and that you will want to join God's kingdom and you'll want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and have that secure, that security of knowing that no matter how tough times get, Jesus Christ is right there with you. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will never change. We change. We go all over the place. We get on ships, try to outrun God. Can't do it. He's an Olympic speedster. He's going to beat you there every time. So I just, I pray that, that you would just, this time today, that you would just let your heart soften and listen to what God has to say to you today. And pray that you would come to know him. But it's not just about the unsaved today. It's about us who are saved also. 
you're here today and you know Jesus Christ and the storms of life, because storms are going to hit you. If you you try to say they're not, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you get to forget all that stuff. It happens every single day to us. Just got some bad news the other day about about somebody that that just out of the blue just just died. So we're, you know, it's going to hit us all. But I'm going to ask you this right now. Do you go to Jesus Christ to your anchor to hold him, to get him to hold you and to carry you through the times? Or do you just let that thing, that word called pride, take over you and forget it, I'll get through it myself. That's not what Christ is about. Christ is about being here in the good times and in the bad. Of course, when things are going good, we tend to just throw him off to the side. Everything's good, I don't need him. Yet when the, when the bad times come, that's when, oh, man, I got I to gotta get back in my prayer closet now. and I really, I really got to get God to help me through this time. But uh, I pray that we always go to Christ to, uh, to secure our anchor. But uh, the storm, the storm's going, is going crazy. These guys here, they're running around. It's not known certainly, but it's said that they believe that the Mariner crew were Phoenicians. Back during those days, the Phoenicians were the majority of the Mariners. The Israelites weren't real big on on the water and sailing and, and all that, but the Phoenicians were were the were the big time sailors and uh, working the ships and all. And they said that these guys were very, very proficient and knew very well about sailing and about the ships and all. So when you sit here and you see this crew of seasoned mariners and they're going crazy, running around, yelling and screaming, trying to call out to every single god they can think of, throwing stuff off the boat, you know they gotta they gotta be scared to death and worried that that boat there is gonna sink and they're all gonna perish. But God's got other plans for them. We'll see that in a little bit. So the captain came and said to him, "What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish." Because I would imagine that the captain, and the whole crew's around there looking and. They're figuring out who's where and this and that and other. And the captain all of a sudden comes up and remembers, hey, we got a guy on the board that, that just you know, wanted to rise. So he goes down and he finds him. And he's down in the deep bowels of the, of the ship as far away as he can because remember he's running from the presence of the Lord. And the guy finds him and he's probably just you know yelling and screaming at him, what are you doing? Get up. Why are you down here sleeping during this? I can have I, I can sleep pretty hard, but I I don't don't think I'd sleep through something like that. But uh, he he asked him, "What are you doing down here? Get up, pray to your God, and maybe your God will consider us so that we may not perish." So now they're all on board, they're all outside, and and they're trying to figure out what in the heck is going on with this storm. When we left, it was sunny, it was 85, no wind, no rain. 
no waves, no nothing. And now here we are, we're, looks like we're going through uh, Hurricane Andrew or Katrina or one of those storms that's gone through the United States in the years past. What is going on here? So they said to one another, come let us cast lots. Well, this will show you just how much they, they don't believe in Christ. They're going to throw dice around and try and figure out, you know, I know you played that little straw game before where you, you know, short straws out or long straw. I can't remember which one it is. But, you know, they're, they're going to play this game. And it's like little pebbles. That they, they throw them like dice. One side's white. There's black on one side. And the way it happens is if you roll the dice and it's all white, then you're okay. If you roll a dice and one side's white and one side's black, they're kind of like, well... But if you roll the dice and it's black on both sides, you're the guilty party. Well, when it came Jonah's turn, guess what happened? Yep, you got it. They were both black on both sides. So right off the bat, they start playing 20 questions with Jonah. Who are you? Where have you been? What have you been doing? You know, what's your country? Why are you bringing this storm on us and trying to kill us and all? And in verse 9, Jonah replies. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. That right there once again shows us that Jonah believes in God Almighty, that he is a child of God. He has strayed, just like we stray many times during our lives. But he is a child of God. And he fears the Lord. Fearing the Lord is not just being scared of the Lord or just, you know, tensed up or whatever. It's a form of reverence. It's a form of awe of being in the presence of, of God. It's being obedient to him and to his word. Of course, we look right here at Jonah. He hadn't been very obedient to God's word. But he did fear the Lord. So in verse 10, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, for he had told them so. And right here, they knew exactly who it was that had come up with this storm. They knew their gods, they had prayed and yelled to them. They didn't do any good, so they know that that God, their God, is not one who's going to get them through this time. They see Jonah when he tells them this about fearing the Lord and about <clears throat> being a, uh, a believer of the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. They're, now they're like, oh, no, we're really in for it now. So uh, why have you done this? For the men knew he had fled from the presence of the Lord. So down here in verse 12, he said to them, and then in the last part of verse 11, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptous and more temptous. And Jonah said to him, this is where he just flat out floored him. Take me, pick me up, and throw me in the sea, and the sea will, the sea will calm. Can you imagine being out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in the middle of a storm like this 
and somebody that whoever it is you're there with looks at you and just tells you, pick me up and throw me out in the sea, and it'll stop. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, all right, we'll, we'll try that. And the guys, I'm sure the guys looked at him, they're, you know, with this flabbergasted look like, man, you are nuts. You are absolutely crazy. We can't do that. So what did they do? They, uh, they rode harder and harder back to dry land. Well, guess what? They didn't make it very far. They certainly didn't make it back to dry land. And they, uh, they could not, for the sea grew to more temptuous against them as they rode. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. Once again, here it is, unsaved men. I guess maybe they're starting to see the light a little bit. It's turning on. Unsaved men crying out to God. And they say, please do not let this man perish. Let, <clears throat> we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So here they are. They're realizing their God doesn't work. So they're praying to Jonah's God and asking him, please, don't let us die on this man's account. And if we do throw him into the water, because he, he's telling us to, and he's telling us to do it because the sea will calm, because he knows the storm is exactly for him in him alone and uh, they're saying please do not hold this this man's blood on us because you're doing as you will so now we see in verse 15 so they picked up jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging now let's just try and picture this we've got this guy here jonah who's on this ship running from God, causing God to just bring up this huge storm to get his attention. I call it an attention getter. It's a supernatural storm is what it is because it's brought by God Almighty. He's, he's brought this storm upon them. The guys have already, they've already cast lots. They know it's Jonah, the guilty party. They've tried and tried and tried to row back to the shore to get everybody back there safely. And they can't go anywhere because of the, the strength of this storm that they're in. He tells them to put him, throw him in there, and he knows it's going to calm for them. Can you imagine what these guys are going through and what they're, what, what they're thinking in their mind about this? This guy's absolutely nuts. But hey, what else do we have to do? It's either try this and see if it'll happen and maybe we'll live or keep going the way we're going and we're all going to we're all going to die. So the sea ceases when they throw Jonah into the into the water. It comes it becomes as calm as it was before when they first left before they were leaving. I can just imagine these guys are like, what the heck? What are you talking about, man? What's going on here? You must have known what you were talking about. So in verse 16, I kind of categorize this chapter as 
Jonah's obedience, but yet God's victory. Because in verse 16, we see here, we've just seen they picked him up, they threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped. It quit its raging. And in verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. So that right there automatically, when they saw this miracle happen, that 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 raging storm like that went away and went back to calmness. When Jonah had already told them that I fear the Lord, O God, the one that makes the seas and the dry land. When they see this, I'm sure that they just absolutely, it's like, hey man, I don't know what this is about, but I believe you're God right now, and I want I want to be on your God's team because my God's team certainly didn't bail me out of this. And so they praised the Lord, they feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now, I would imagine that the offering the sacrifice and all, that took place once they got back on dry land. But taking the vows is basically saying that they bowed down in and, and accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior right then and there. And I, I would say right now that after seeing something like that, happen if i wasn't a, a christian at the time going through that and seeing that would certainly make me believe that there is power in this god almighty that jonah talks about so we have god's victory right here in this this uh crew on this ship of course we still have jonah he's out there floating around somewhere in the water in verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Three days and three nights sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Jonah in the belly of a fish three days and three nights. Jesus buried three days and three nights. Of course, we know that Jesus Christ was much more impactful for his three days and three nights than what Jonah was. But Christ mentioned in Matthew when he was preparing his disciples for what was about to happen to him. He used the analogy of Jonah about him being in the belly of the well of the great fish three days and three nights. Now as we get into chapter two, I just I want to touch on it just a little bit. And uh verses I'm not going to read the whole chapter for time's sake and all. But verses 2 through 9 are said to be a song of prayer for Jonah to God, just reaching out and, and praying and, and asking for repentance and, and forgiveness. Jonah, in, in verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Verse 9 says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. 
no matter how tough times got, no matter how far away he was from God Almighty, Jonah knew that if he cried out to the Lord, that God would hear him. And in verse 7, as, as he thinks he's just about ready to die, he says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And he talks about sacrificing with a voice of thanksgiving, and he talks about paying what I have vowed. Jonah was praying to God then and telling him that I will do what you want, what you ask me to do if, in fact, he is saved and pulled out of the belly of the fish. And he says, salvation is of the Lord, and that's exactly correct. God, our Lord, our Lord and Savior, will save any and everybody that ask him to come into, the, into their hearts. The last verse says, So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It's not known exactly where, but there's probably a pretty good chance God uses this sense of humor and just puts Jonah right back on dry land at Joppa, where he started. So if that's the case, now he's got 550 miles to travel when he goes back to, to Nineveh. We're going to go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and start closing this down now, and uh, Joy, you can come on up if you will. But I, I want to talk to you about a couple of things here this morning as we close. I want to talk to you first off. If you're here, maybe you're watching on live stream, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray that these words today have touched you in a manner that you want to know Christ as your Savior. Scripture tells us we don't know when, he come, when he's coming back. He's going to come back like a thief in the night. He might come and get us all at one time before that. We don't know. We're not guaranteed to make it out to that sidewalk today when we leave this place. I would hate to know that you're here today and you don't have that salvation, that security of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Is it going to make all your problems and troubles and all financial everything go away? No, it's not. But it's going to give you that peace that passes all understanding, a true peace that you can get only through Jesus Christ to get you through whatever it is you're going through. My son-in-law is going through some tough times right now with something that happened. I didn't tell him I was going to say anything about this. It's hit him hard. It hits our family hard. But I praise God that he knows Jesus Christ. And that he knows that Jesus is the anchor to get him through this time. Because without that, especially in this day and time that we're going through right now, this life is absolutely 
craziness. I can't imagine going through this without Jesus Christ as the head of your as the head of your life. So I pray today before we leave, we're gonna have some people up front that are gonna be here. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to see you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. And get that problem solved. Have that security in your life of knowing that when you when you die and we're all going to die that you will be in heaven forever for eternity but I'm not just talking about the unsaved today. there's Christians here today I'm sure and Christians watching live stream you've strayed away from the Lord for whatever reason maybe you've quit going to church maybe you don't think you need to go to church whatever it is but you've strayed from God why not have today that day that you make that sacrifice and you make that change and you say God I want you in my life again I want to live my life for you I want to make a change and a difference in what I stand for Joe if you'll come up Paul, if you'll come up. We're going to be up front. We're going to be waiting. If you're here today and you have a decision, the altar's open. If you just want to come up and you need to pray about something, you come up here and, and kneel and, and pray. But if you're running from God, that's what this message is about today, is repentance. We all run sometime or another, but yet we all need to repent and get our lives back to where they to where it should be. We're gonna play a few verses and all and we're gonna open it up up here.